So we are in a study right now in John chapter four. This is the trilogy of messages of the Samaritan woman. And this is the third uh, sermon in that trilogy. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter four. Our text is a little more lengthy. And so we're gonna read it. And then we're just gonna jump right into the heart of the sermon today. And it's John chapter four. If you're new to Great Hills, and many of you are, we, we know that you are. Many of you are first time guests. Some of you, this is the first time you've been in the church in a long time. Let me just tell, me, let me just tell you something. We're thrilled that you're here. God is, God is thrilled that you're here. He loves you. He created you. He wants you to worship him and enjoy being in his presence today. So what is happening at Great Hills for the year of 2018? We are looking at this title of For the One. And the one refers to the person that comes across our path that God would have us to reach out to, to minister to, to serve, to love, to witness to. We see over 50 examples of this, of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, in the Gospels. He's often seen dialoguing with people, talking with people, and he stops what he's doing and he heals them, he loves them, he shares truth with them. And we see over 50 encounters of Christ in the New Testament. And that's what we're looking at at Great Hills is we wanna glean from the Master. We wanna emulate him, we wanna see what Jesus did and actuate and put into practice what Jesus did in 2018. You say, is that possible? I know it's possible. I tell you, I'm getting more and more emails and comments and, and it's so encouraging and exciting to see you guys as a church going out into the greater Austin area and just loving on people, inviting people, sharing with people. And so many of you are here today because you are the one. You are that one that we invited and we are thrilled that you're here. So this lady, uh, she has a pretty shady past. She's been married and divorced five times and she is cohabitating with the guy. She's living with the guy who is not her husband. And she meets this prophet, she meets this rabbi, she meets none other than Jesus Christ on a hot day in a Samaritan, on a Samaritan well, and there Jesus Christ encounters her. And the longest dialogue, the longest conversation Jesus ever has in the New Testament is with this lady. And not just a lady, but a Samaritan lady. And this lady will go on to accept Christ and become a great evangelist among her family and her friends. You know, it's interesting how ladies, the Bible commends you and honors you. The first evangelist of the empty tomb, it was not men, it was a bunch of ladies, right? When you read in the New Testament how God honors women and this whole story, most of John chapter four is taken up with this one woman who has the shady past. I mean, those skeletons are rattling in the closet. She has had a difficult life. It's worn and weary and she comes at the well just thinking she's Thinks she's going to get some H2O, get a little water, but she gets some living water. She finds in Jesus Christ someone who loves her, forgives her, and gives her a great purpose and passion in life. John chapter 4, we have watched up to this point Jesus Christ speaking to her, loving her, giving her hope. And now in John 4, 27, this is what happens. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled. They were incredibly perplexed. They were bewildered that Jesus talked with a woman. Yet nobody said, why, why are you doing that? Or what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? 
the woman left her water pot. That's very interesting, isn't it? Why did she go to the well in the first place? It's to get water. Why is she leaving without her water pot? Because she, she found something greater. It slated her spiritual thirst. And so, you remember that time? You remember that time you were really, really thirsty and the Son of God slated your thirst? And you acted a little reckless. You acted a little strange. And you just left, your, you just left something behind and you just said, I mean, God has met me and my sins are forgiven. All the dastardly, nasty things that I have done, God Almighty has pardoned me. Hallelujah. This lady's been saved and she rushes out to tell as many people as she can. She went into the city and she said to the men, come see a man. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to Jesus. In the meantime, here comes the perplexed disciples again. Bless them. The disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, you need to eat. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, anybody brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now watch verse 34. I, I think it really is the critical verse in this narrative. My food is to do God's will and do God's work. The will of him who sent me and to do his work. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but I want you just to rivet your, your mind on that. Let that ruminate in your mind for just a moment. God's will, God's way, God's work. Do you not say, Jesus said, there are four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, many, many commentators, many Bible scholars believe at this moment, as Jesus, he's speaking to the disciples and what he's doing is he's saying, behold, and he looks and here they come. Here comes the whole countryside of Samaritans coming toward him. And Jesus says, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, they're already white unto harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored and others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed. Notice it doesn't say all believed. I mean, there are people, guys, in our lives that if Jesus Christ himself were to speak to them, they would not believe. So just remember that. As you share with people, as you invite people, as you encourage people, if the Lord himself told them, you need to believe in me, they would not, okay? So they, Jesus was with them. Many, though, did believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, come, he told me, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. Church, get your mind around that for just a moment. Jesus, a rabbi, a Jew, has gone through Samaria and he stays, he camps out with them for two full days. That is amazing. You just don't do that. Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Men don't talk to women. And yet here Jesus is, he's breaking all of that. He says, forget all of that. I'm the son of God and I'm going to talk to this woman and I'm going to honor this woman and I'm going to talk to all of her people. And he does. 
And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So as we look at the text this morning, what we do at Great Hills, and by the way, if you're, if you're new, this is a very Bible-centric church. Uh, the, the pastor always preaches the Bible. We'll open up the Scripture. Sometimes we'll le- read a large portion of Scripture, and then it's the pastor's role to explain and apply and illustrate so that all the focus is on the Word of God, not on the man of God, and all the focus is on Jesus Christ, and we're giving him praise and honor and glory today. The first thing I want to notice with you today is the disciples, they are very perplexed. And you may ask today, why are they so perplexed? Why did they come in and go, Jesus, they were thinking it, they didn't say it, but why are you talking to her? I mean, you are a Jew, she's a Samaritan, you are a man, she is a woman, you are a rabbi. Did you know there were teachings circulating around among Jewish rabbis that it was absolutely forbidden for a rabbi to speak to a woman. In some cases, he was not even allowed to speak to his wife regarding spiritual things. There were some teachings of the rabbis. They believed that if they, as a rabbi, were to lower themselves and to teach their daughters, that that was, that was just as bad as teaching them to be prostitutes. Are you with me? This is the sexism. This is um, rabbi male chauvinism to the millionth degree that they so dishonored even their children. Some extreme rabbis would so dishonor them, they would not teach them the law because that would be equivalent of teaching them prostitution because they didn't deserve it. Let me just say something to y'all right quick. Jesus changed all of that. Jesus Christ loves all of us, male, female, and he gives us honor. Let me tell you something, ontologically, men and women, we are absolutely the same. God created us in his image. We all have different roles and responsibilities. I get that in the home and in the church, but ontologically, in our essence, in our very being, we don't look down upon women. We look at them right in the eye because we can say, God loves you. God created you just like he created me, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life just like he does mine. I'll say it again. If the first men of God would stand up for women when women are being abused and persecuted and talked down to. If we just had a little bit of gall about us and we stood up, there wouldn't be no need for some Me Too movement. Wouldn't need it. Wouldn't need it. But we stand up and we honor women. Okay, thank you. I just had to get that out of my system. I was just getting fired up. The disciples are perplexed because some rabbis believed you couldn't even You couldn't talk to women, couldn't even talk to your own daughters, for heaven's sake, about the loss. It's twisted, it's truncated, it's crazy. There's some countries today, it's not far from that. There's some countries today that women, they're looked upon almost as as possessions. Not given the right to drive, not given the right to vote, not, I mean, not on an equal plane with the male. I just want you to know something, Christianity doesn't teach that. Other world religions teach that, but Christianity does not teach it. You, you're looking for God? You're looking for a Savior? I introduce you to Jesus Christ because all other gods make terrible gods, but he is the one true God. So the disciples, they are perplexed, right? They're confused. 
And why are you talking to him? And then they're confused because they go, oh, wait a minute. He's been eating. How did he eat when somebody gave him something to eat? I mean, where'd they come from? I mean, maybe we would have seen them. I mean, they're just on a totally different level, right? But Jesus is on a very spiritual level. So the next thing I want to share with you is the Samaritan woman. Let's transition into her. The Samaritan woman, she proclaims. In verses 28 and 29, we read the text a moment ago that she actually goes into the city and she speaks to the men, all right? She speaks to them. She's no longer intimidated or embarrassed. She no longer feels she has to go to the well at noon. Perhaps she'd see nobody. I mean, she goes with this holy boldness. She's infused with this divine purpose. And God has cleansed her. God has done a a work in her. And so now she goes and she becomes this great evangelist. And she proclaims, come, could this be the the long-awaited Messiah? One writer puts it this way. In her joy of discovery, she forgot her water jar. It was more important to her now to share her new faith. Her words, a man who told me everything I ever did, this was bound to stir interest. Perhaps in that village where some who heard her had been her partners. Y'all with me? They probably slept with her in her former life. Perhaps they wondered, I wonder if he knows about us. I wonder if he he knows everything you did. I wonder if, I wonder if he knows what I, I got to go see this guy. <laughs> I got to go see if this is for real. Not hindered with past mistakes, but emboldened by God's forgiveness. Is that anybody here today? Anybody here today need to be set free from shame and guilt and mistakes? Shared the gospel yesterday with a man who says, man, Catholicism about beat the life out of me. And then my mom dated a Southern Baptist, and he was a cheat. He cheated on her. I think I've had enough of religion. I'm okay. I'm all right. I said, man, just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Because once you meet Jesus Christ, he's the real deal. He will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you of your past mistakes and wrongs. And he will empower you. He will infuse you. He will embolden you with a life you've never dreamed possible. Only believe. Only trust in Jesus Christ. He will grant that to you. I'm talking men, women, boys and girls. It it matters not. Jesus saves. Jesus died. Jesus arose from the dead. And this is the message. This lady, she is thrilled to proclaim it. By the way, some of you are proclaiming, and I'm, I'm just grateful to God for you. I keep getting these emails, and by the way, if you just want to keep blessing your, your pastor, and you just keep sending me those kind of emails. So let, me, let me tell you about this one, pastor, and I get the text. Oh, let me, let me tell you about this, and I'm just, it just messes me up. I mean, I'm just like, I just get excited. I'm just like, thank you, Lord. And the church is, is really understanding what church is about. We are the church. We don't come here to be entertained or for me to perform. We go out into the world and be salt and light, and we bring people in to hear the truth. I, was, I read a story this week, and I got real interested in it, so I called. I had to verify it. I wanted to verify it before I shared it. His name is Paul Harris. He's a pastor in Mineral Wells, Texas, and he, he, he loves uh, prisoners, and he goes into prisons and he shares the gospel with them. And then he disciples them. And, and one of the men he discipled was a man by the name of Greg Ivey. And Greg, he said, he seemed pretty resistant to this whole concept of 
discipleship and growing in the Lord. And he goes, you know, of all the guys I've talked to and discipled, Greg's probably the one that kind of went over his head. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, did he just say that? Yeah, he, he just did not seem very interested. And what he did listen to, he kind of blew it off. Let me tell you all something. Don't judge people. You watch those people, those people that are aloof and those people we think aren't paying attention, then those could be the very people that God's going to do a great work in. And that's precisely what happened with Greg. He spent 20 years in prison. And when he came out of prison, he hand wrote the, the discipleship book. He wrote it out by hand and personally discipled 200 men. This one guy. The guy that was aloof, the guy that we thought, oh, no, not, you're not as smart as the other people. He personally discipled. And then he started a ministry called Cons for Christ. <laughs> I kind of like that. Cons for Christ. And he shows them how to work and he gives them a job and he teaches them. And I'm thinking, man, isn't that powerful? It's just like God to take a nobody and make them a somebody so they can tell everybody about the somebody. The disciples are perplexed. The Samaritan woman, she is proclaiming, and now Jesus preaches. Ah, I love his sermons. Don't you, don't you love it when Jesus speaks? And he does here. In verses 32 and 34, it says, And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Church family, can you get in your mind today will and work? That it's God's will and it's God's work that we share the good news. That is why he sent his son. That is why he sends his daughters and his sons today so that we will complete the work, we will do the work, and that we will do it God's way because we know it's God's will. People say, well, I just don't know what God's will is. Let me tell you what God's will is. Can I be so bold to you for a moment? Because I know some of you are searching and say, God, where are you leading? God, what am I going to do now that I've graduated from, from college? God, what are, who am I going to marry? What am I, hear me let, me, let me tell you what God's will is, okay? Listen to me carefully. It's for all of you who know Jesus. Brag on his son. He'll show you everything he wants you to do. Brag on him. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all of these things will be granted unto you. They will be added unto you as you seek the kingdom of God. As you brag on the Lord Jesus Christ. As you share him with others. God just, mm, let me tell you something. God had one son. He made him a missionary. And when you brag on him. And when you witness for him and you tell other people about him, you open yourself up for the favor and the blessing of God. You will be satisfied so much that it'll be even greater than food. It's greater than anything you can imagine. And that's what Jesus is telling me because, guys, y'all don't understand. Because I'm doing his will and I'm doing his work, I'm completely satisfied. And the same thing could be said for us. And Jesus keeps on teaching, right? Do you not say there are still four months? Then comes the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is now. He who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life. Here it is. Both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So you got this farming mentality, right? I love this because I've done this. When I was a kid growing up in Alabama, this is what you did. At least if you were from 
for my family and my part of the, the country. We, we worked, we planted, we sowed. And I don't know if you know much about gardening, if you know about, about planting, and, and it's hard work. I just want to let you know it. But when you dig up the ground, put the seed in the ground, cover up the seed, put fertilizer on it, God please send the rain, God sends the rain, and you wait, 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 and shazam, you get to eat. That's how we ate. And we had a big, big garden. I think my dad wanted to feed everybody in, in Jefferson County, Alabama. And so we, we planted. In our, but here's the thing. It's very interesting to me that God, the Son, is talking to us about God's will and God's work. And he uses a very strenuous, sweat equity, difficult analogy. You get his point? You get his drift? Evangelism. And sharing the gospel, it's not easy. That's why y'all don't do it. <laughs> That's why most of us, 90 plus percent of the people in this room will never share their faith, never lead anybody to Jesus. And oh my word, we've got a host of excuses. Well, I just don't know enough. Well, I fear failure. Stop. Stop. If you know Jesus and you can read John 3.16, you are qualified. Even if you can't read John 3, 16, you're still qualified. Like the guy was blind, like the guy was blind, he couldn't read. He'd stand on the street corner of Jacksonville, Florida, and he goes, sir, I can't read this story, but would you read this story for me? And people would read, and hundreds of people pray to receive Christ from a guy that couldn't read. So God can use any of us, but it's, but it's work. It takes energy. It takes effort. It's put, it takes putting ourselves out there. So there was, um, there was a story and I caught wind of, and I asked for permission to share it. And they said, no, but I'm still going to share it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They did give me permission. So there's a, a Bible, uh, Bible Life Connect Group class. Um, James Tisdale, James Cross, they would go to Dairy Queen. Come on for some Dairy Queen. Give me some blizzards. Amen. And they'd go to Dairy Queen, and there was a gentleman He'd go to Dairy Queen. They'd come from church. I don't know where he had been, but he comes and he eavesdrops and he listens in to those people talking about church. Hey, can I just tell you something? It's amazing. When you come out of church and you go into the restaurants, people watch us. That's why I think we need to be the biggest tippers. We need to be the kindest people uh, because people are watching us. If you're going to be mean and stingy, don't dare tell them you came to our church. All right? You just, <laughs> Tell them you went somewhere, you went somewhere else. So this guy is, this guy's leaning in and they're like, hey, come over here. We'll, we'll talk to you. She says, okay. So where do you guys go to church? I go to Great Hills Baptist Church. You ought to come sometime. Oh, okay. All right. We baptized him this morning. He got baptized this morning. God bless you. God bless you, Dave. God bless you, Connect Group class. Yeah, I know it's not easy, and that's why I'm... Oh, goodness, I ain't planning on saying this. I'm going to say it. Sometimes I'm reluctant to witness. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I don't really know if I want to do this. Because I just want to go there. I don't feel like arguing with somebody. I don't want to feel like being persecuted. I, I don't, I, Lord, I just don't feel like it. But I'm so glad that God is very generous and gracious to me. And he reminds me 
where were you going before I met you? I was going to hell. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, and so are they. So go and tell. Share with a Jewish lady last night. I know she's not here because she said, I'm not coming to your church. And God just gave me boldness. I looked around. I said, man, let me tell you something. The king has come. He's coming again. You better get ready. You better receive him. And her eyeballs got like this big around. And she looked at me like, and she just opened her mouth. And she didn't say, she didn't say anything. I'm not always strong as goat's breath. Sometimes I'm a little kinder. But I thought this is the time, this may be the only time that she gets to hear the gospel. The disciples are perplexed. The, the Samaritan's woman, bless her soul, she's proclaiming to everybody that'll listen. Jesus Christ, he is preaching to the disciples. He's preaching to us. And then finally, here they come. Here come the Samaritans, and they are satisfied, and they are very persuaded. And they come in, and they say, listen, Jesus, we believe. We believe because we heard this woman. We've seen a change in her life. Mercy, look at her. She's smiling. She's talking to us. She never, she never smiled. She never talked to us. Well, what's happened? What's happened to her? So for two days, Jesus is in Samaria, and he's talking, and he's preaching, and he's teaching. And then at the end of it, they say, okay, okay, now we, we believe because we have heard with our own ears, we've seen with our own eyes, we've experienced it in our own hearts that you are the Christ the Son of God. Let, let, let me share this with you. <laughs> I'm not Jesus, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And what you've heard today is the gospel truth. And if you'll receive it, and if you will believe it, and if you'll turn from your sins and say, God, I trust in you, and I promise you on the authority of God's word, and I promise you on the basis of my own testimony, that what God will do will be absolutely miraculous. He will come into your life. He will cleanse you of your sins. That's why I was sharing with the guy yesterday. He was like, ah, you know, I don't know about all this. I said, like, listen, we don't have to be good enough. We can't be good enough. And by the way, church, y'all know my testimony. I tried and tried to be good and earn God's favor. Do whatever I could to, to make sure that I go to heaven. I've always had this concept of death, and now I've had that fear of death. But if I just do good, and if I just preach enough sermons, and if I just help enough people, then one day when I die, God's going to say, Okay, brother, now all your good deeds outweigh your bad, and then come on in. That is preposterous. That is not the gospel. And so at 19 years of age is when I really got saved. I got it. I understood that I can't earn my way to heaven. Jesus already did that. I just got to believe. I just got to receive it. I just got to say, God, here I am. And I trust. Would you do that today? Some of you. You say, well, you, you, you don't understand, Brother Dan, what I've done. Have you been married five times? Hey, let me ask you another question. Have you killed anybody? Saul of Tarsus would say, well, I'm... I don't know if I've been married five times, but I've, I've, I've been privy to people's death. And the Samaritan woman, if she was standing here, and if Paul was standing here, if Greg Ivey was standing here, if Dave baptized, he was standing here, they would say, come to Christ. Receive him as your Savior and Lord. I, I invite you to do that, even, even at this very moment. And I want to pray with you that you'll do that. Would you pray with me as we have our invitation today? And 
say, Father, we commit this time to you. And if you're here today and say, I, I, want, I want this, I need this, then I am pleading with you. I am prosecuting the case for Christ today that you would receive him as your Savior and Lord. So what do I need to do? What, what, do, I, what do I need to say? What, what, more importantly, you just have to believe. You just have to trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. God will direct your paths. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will, you will be saved. And so maybe you're here today and you're a mom. Or maybe you're a single adult. Or maybe you're a dad. Or maybe you're a senior adult. Or maybe you're a child. And you would say, I, I'm trusting Christ today. To which I respond, hallelujah. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Now, what we need you to do is you're trusting in Christ. You got to tell somebody. That Samaritan lady, friend, she went and told, <laughs> she forgot her water pot and went and told everybody, everybody about living water. And I, I want you to do that. You say, I don't know if I'd be so bold to do that. I'll just tell you, Brother Dan. I'll just tell you. Then tell me. Well, I'll just tell the person that invited me. Tell them. And then we can help you. We can encourage you. Church family, your, your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. I, I, I just got to thank you. So many of you. I have been astounded. I want to be honest with you. I've been astounded at how many people in our church are taking this seriously. And, 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 I, and I appreciate it. And I say glory to God. Thank God for you. Now the other 90%, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to come alongside of you to find your one? Yes, this week. Instead of me getting, let's say, 100 responses, wouldn't it be great if, you, if I got 200 emails and two texts? And that means we're not doing 10%. We're doing 20% of our people are just talking to people, inviting people to Jesus, inviting them to our church. So we're praying that God would grant you the strength and the favor to do that. So, Lord, we love you. We commit this invitation to you. God, I pray that you would draw Draw men and women to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you stand to your feet, we got folks up here at the front. We've got men as well as women. We've got uh, women ministers and men pastors up here, and we would love to pray for you and encourage you. So as Terry leads us, we just invite you to come. Come to the altar or come to one of these people and let them share with you today.